In this time, let us join together in hearing the scripture lesson. We continue in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 25. Hear the word of the Lord. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, we are continuing through Romans chapter 8. Last week we were talking about our connection in the spirit and the dichotomy between flesh and spirit. And Paul picks up with that again here in verse 12. We continue with a little of this dialogue about flesh and the spirit, but Paul is taking us on this journey that is building up to this point in which we understand nothing can separate us from God's great love. But in order to get there, we have to go through these different phases. First, with each other. And now, second today, with creation. Now, Paul sets this up in a pretty poor way. Uh, Paul could have benefited from some marketing classes, I believe, because he starts out by saying, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. That's a pretty bad way to try to sell something. Even car dealerships understand this. If you want somebody to buy a car, you don't come straight out and say, you're going to be in debt after you buy this car. No, you say, we're offering low rates on financing just for you. That sells. Paul, he's not interested in selling something, though. He's interested in giving the truth. He's interested in telling people, this is what it means to live the kind of life we're being called to live. And in that life, there will be suffering and hardship. And there will be a debt that we can never repay, but that we are called to live to repay. 
And he's saying this to try to let Christians know the life that we are signing up for is not a comfortable life. It's a life that is geared towards God. And because of that, it cannot be geared towards us to make us comfortable and to make us happy and to agree with all of our beliefs and things that we want to agree with. Instead, it's all about God. And believe it or not, when we turn our attention to God, that often means we sacrifice some things of our own accord. We are debtors, he said. Let's unpack that a little bit, because this is, this is a pretty odd phrase, because what does it mean to be a debtor? What are, to what are we in debt? So, first off, a debtor is somebody who owes something. So there's something in, in our lives that, that we have been given for which we weren't able to pay for up front. You know, kind of the basic definition of debt. But what are we in debt to? Or to whom? Well, Paul kind of lays this out in chapter 8 in three different phases. The first, which we talked about last week, is each other. We are in debt to each other because without each other we cannot hope to survive. A single human being has no hope of making it very long. Even if they live a long and healthy and happy life, you know, come that, what, between 100 and 120 years, you kind of get cut off and boom, that's the end of the human race. Just like that. We cannot continue without each other. And so we are in debt to each other. The second phase comes right here in verse, uh, verses 12 through 25, and we'll get there in a second. But the third one, uh, which we'll get to next week, is we are in debt to God. And we'll talk more about what that looks like next week. But today, we're talking about what it means to be in debt to creation. It's interesting because... We kind of already understand this, even though we might not want to accept it. For one, human beings are from the earth, and to the earth we return. And we'll start with the spiritual side of this. God, when God is creating the first human beings, takes dirt from the ground, molds it into a human being, and thus from dust we came, and then at the end of our lives, uh, we decompose and to dust we return. Or we can take this to a more scientific perspective. Whenever a woman is growing a child in her womb, that child is pieced together courtesy of that which the woman takes in, what she eats, what she consumes, and that helps to develop the child. And guess what? The things that we eat come from, in some way, shape, or form, creation. So our very existence we owe to creation. Oh, we can also take this a bit further. For example, creation provides for us every step of the way. In the food that we eat on a daily basis to survive, to the things that give us shelter, wood, metal, asphalt, other things like that, to the fuel that gets us from one place to another or powers our electricity, creation is constantly providing for us. And we are debtors to creation because guess what? We could never do enough to return the favor. 
We cannot create the way that God can. Although creation is able to help in sustaining our existence in a way only creation can. And so we are debtors to creation. But here's the thing. We often don't recognize our debt to others or creation or to God until we go through this transformative experience, which we in modern day call salvation, um, being born again. There are a couple of different uh, expressions that we have for titling this transformation, justification and sanctification are two United Methodist words that we use. Paul calls it the spirit of adoption. Starting in verse 14 of our excerpt today, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The spirit of adoption is a very unique expression for us to behold this morning because adoption is a sacred thing. Adoption is the moment of embracing someone who is not part of your core nuclear family unit and saying, you now belong here. You are loved here, and we will take care of you here. In the same way, we go through this experience with God. For as sinners, as people who live in unholy ways, people who are selfish, people who only want what's best for me, we are living contrary to God and therefore turning our backs on God's family. But in the moment of justification and being made holy, God calls us back into this loving family and says, you belong here, you are loved here, and we will take care of you here. That is the spirit of adoption. And through a spirit of adoption, we begin to see the world anew. We begin to see that everything around us, God is working for our good. We begin to see that this great love of God is being expressed to us in ways we never understood before, in the love of other people, in the way that God sustains our life and more. And so this spirit of adoption that Paul is talking about is a moment of transformation. It is a moment in which we not only are transformed because we are called into God's family, but also transformed because we begin to understand what it means to be in God's family. Just as when a person is adopted into a new family, they begin to pick up on the new rules and rituals and traditions that that family might have. Like, for example, maybe um, eating at the dinner table is something that this person has not experienced before, but in their new adoptive family, that's something that they do. Just like that, we also, in a spirit of adoption, begin to also adopt for ourselves the new rules and rituals and traditions and ways of life that we may not have known before. And for God, part of that entails being in debt to others, to creation, and to God, and living 
to pay off that debt. Now, debt is not a great word for us to be using here, but it's the word that Paul uses. I would love to use uh, another word, but we're going to keep with debt for a little bit because that's the notion that Paul uses here. And so, like last week as we talked to our connection with, with each other, today we talk about our connection with creation. Verse 19 of our passage today says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Wow. Creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. Take that in for a moment and try to process just for a second what that might mean for your own life. That all of creation, everything in existence, is waiting for the revealing of the children of God. Why? Verse 20 picks it up. For the creation was subject to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, we need to take a second because these two verses just told us something hugely significant in so many different ways. The first is that creation has been subjected to futility or pointlessness or meaninglessness. Creation has been subjected to futility. Second off, creation was not subjected to futility out of its own will, which is already a powerful statement because it implies that creation has its own will. But out of its own will, creation was was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And who are the ones who subject creation to their own will? I feel like you're able to say this in your own mind right now. It's us. From the very beginning, God places the first human beings into the garden. Why? To take care of it, to tend to it, to name all of its different aspects, animals and plants alike. But to be there for the garden. And as Human beings provide for the garden. The garden, in turn, provides for humanity. Those of you who are into gardening understand this concept. Some of us really don't understand this concept. But it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship that we give in order for something to give back to us. And it returns that favor over and over again. But at some point, we began taking advantage of creation for our own purposes to say, you know what? Creation was made for us, to serve us, and therefore we are going to take advantage of creation in every way that we can. And so we started treating creation very horribly. And it didn't happen just recently. It happened a long time ago is when it started and it continues on throughout generations and generations to the point that in the first, uh, in the first five books of the Bible, what's called the Torah, There are many different laws which are put in place for the Jewish people to take care of the earth. Why? Because they weren't doing it. Because people people that far back, we're talking about, this is what, uh, where are we here? 3,500 to 4,000 years ago, 
creation was not being taken care of by the people who were meant to take care of creation. And so some of these laws got put into place, part of the Torah, that says you need to be taking care of creation in this way. Some of the laws include giving the soil rest or rotating crops. People who are into farming or gardening understand this at a fundamental level, that that's just good for the soil. But there are many other ways, way, uh, how to treat animals and so on and so forth. Ways to take care of creation. Why? Because creation provides for us, we should be returning the favor and being kind to creation because we were called to be a part of this. And so creation waits for the children of God. And remember, the children of God are those who have received the spirit of adoption, those who have been transformed by the spirit of God into looking at the world in new and enlightening ways. And by this transformation, the children of God now understand their role in the midst of our connection with others, with creation, and with God. And creation is the one that Paul is putting right here at the center of all of this to say, we've really been missing out on this. And perhaps you also see this in our world today, that we've been missing out on how we take care of creation. It is a huge part of our holy text, of our holy tradition, of our holy calling. Creation waits for the children of God because creation's existence has been subjected to futility, to pointlessness, to meaninglessness by our own actions. And so creation is waiting for the revealing of the children of God because when the children of God are revealed in their spirit of adoption, in a transformative way, we start interacting with the world in a way we never have before, with gratitude, with kindness, with compassion, with sustainability. We begin looking at our world and recognizing the very image of God that is present in everything all around us. The very thoughtfulness of God that went into play with the magnificent tree that stands before us that is unlike any other tree that could ever be on earth. With the beauty of the cosmos that we have still yet to understand to the very depths of the, of the sea, which we understand even less of. God is present in our world, in creation, and creation is waiting for the revealing of the children of God in our spirit of adoption to recognize, to recognize God in all of it. And then maybe once we recognize God in all of creation, we will start fulfilling our initial purpose to take care of the garden, to tend to it, to be there for it, and in a symbi symbiotic relationship as we provide for the garden, so the garden provides for us. Our connection as Christians is rooted in creation. Our connection as human beings is rooted in creation. And here's what I mean by that. I want you to think for a second about this question and try to answer it for yourself. Why did God choose to put us on earth rather than just immediately into heaven? So in the beginning, for some reason, God created the heavens and the earth. And God puts us on earth, not in heaven. With not, God doesn't put us directly where God is initially. Although God is present on earth and ends up walking with Adam and Eve, we are placed in kind of a separate place. 
and we could go into some deep theology about this, but why did God choose to put us on earth rather than right into heaven? It would have been a whole lot easier if we were just placed right there where God is to be able to look upon God and be able to understand our purpose and meaning in life, but why are we here? Oh, isn't that the great philosophical question? The truth is, I don't know. I have many speculations I could go on for days about why this might be, but I really have no firm answer. But one thing that I do know, one thing that I'm absolutely certain of, is that God wanted our connection to be rooted in creation. And why am I so certain of that? Because this is where God has chosen to place us, on this earth amongst all of creation. God wanted us to be connected, rooted in creation. I mean, our very planet, which humanity lives on, is a sphere without edges or points that could separate us, but this beautiful ball in which all of us are connected, just based off of fundamental geometry. This is how God has chosen to place us into the universe, through creation. And so our connection is rooted in creation. Our connection to others, to one another, our connection to creation itself, and our connection to God. It's all rooted in creation. And so whenever Paul is saying we are debtors at the beginning of all of this, one thing we need to recognize is that we are not meant to be served by creation in a one-way relationship. We are not meant to be served by others in a one-way relationship. We will not be served by God in a one-way relationship. But in this connection, this connection rooted in all of creation, which is spherical in nature, even the, fun, the grounds of our universe, spherical in nature. You get into the astrophysics of that at some point if you would like. In a way that says all is connected back to each other, caring for each other, meant to be supporting each other. And so whenever, we, whenever Paul says that we are debtors, what Paul is calling us to realize is that we owe just as much to each other, just as much to creation, just as much to God, and more than we could ever feel we deserve, that we could ever receive from either of these. We are debtors because it is by others and creation and God that we even exist. It is by others, creation and God, that we are even sustained. It is by others, creation and God, that we live into eternity. And so my challenge for us today is to live like debtors. And what I mean by that is to live as if we have something to return to live as if we need to be giving back. If you've ever taken out a loan uh, for whatever, or if you've ever have a, had a mortgage or something like that, then, then you know that there is this process of paying back on that which you, which you have received, even though you could not pay it back in that moment. You know that it, is, it becomes a way of life, that 
you know, every month probably, you are paying a certain amount back on this debt. This is the way we are being called to live. For every single day, for us to be paying back part of this debt which we have been given, this debt to others, this debt to creation, this debt to God. And as we're focusing on creation today, I want us to think about how we might be able to return and live into a debtor mentality, that we have something to give back, that we have something we must give back. Perhaps for creation that means eating, sustainable, uh, eating from sustainable farming. Maybe it means composting. I mean, we can go on a, a, an entire list of ways in which we can be caring for creation. Maybe it simply means appreciating all that is around us and recognizing the image of God in it all. But we are debtors, called into a spiritual adoption of renewal to look upon all of creation with whole new eyes and recognize that we belong here, that we are loved here, and that we will be cared for here. And then to return from our own selves and say, here we will love. Here we will allow others to belong. Here we will care for all. We are debtors, and creation is waiting for the revealing of the children of God. Let us be revealed today to others, to creation, and to God, to the whole world. And let us pray.